My name is Chris Lose. I am here with my good friend Chris Lyle. We are broadcasting live from the show floor at NAM 2020. We are. Chris Lyle is the production designer for CLLD LLC out of Nashville. He's a, a team of about three people. They've been in business for. We've been in bit well. I mean, this is my 29th year in the industry, but an official business with office space and all that. We're at about 15 years now. 15 years. That's impressive. It's 29 years in the industry. Yes, sir. And uh, we're here today. We're going to kind of talk about how roadies have to eventually come to the inevitable realization that we're not invincible yeah. and that uh, 29 years on the road will take a toll on our, on our bodies, on our livelihood, on our mental well-being, and how even starting out in the industry, just like how a, a crew chief is already programming or is already getting ready for the loadout during the load-in, as soon as you're entering the industry, you need to be preparing for your exit from the industry. Absolutely. Uh, my first exit strategy was just work until I die. Yep. And now that I'm entering my 40s, I'm starting to realize that that's, that was an irresponsible plan. And I, I, can't, I can't sustain that. I don't know if that was an irresponsible plan because, as you and I both know, we're also in an industry where when you start saying, when you start saying no to gigs the phone quits ringing. So we're kind of taught as we're getting into this industry to hustle, 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 get, 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 so that you're working constantly. And so I don't know that your plan was wrong. I think it's good to work hard. I think hard work and going out there and busting your tail is a good thing. So I applaud you for that. I applaud anybody that gets out there and, and jumps in and does that. That's definitely good. But it, it, you're right. You touched on it at the beginning. It's all about thinking through an exit plan because as you and I also know, uh, this this is a very physically, mentally, uh, and emotionally toiling career path. It is tough. We don't do anything nine to five, and uh, from our eating habits to the um, our exercise habits to just you know taking care of personal life at home, it's all it's tough with this. So, you know, as we're getting in there and we're busting our butt, we've also got to too, be thinking about. What does what that exit plan look like? And, you know, as you and I know, there's several routes you can go, but having that forethought to, to start looking at what options are available and, and having a plan, even if it's a loose plan early on and developing that as you go. When I was much younger, what, like you were saying, I could work 20 hours a day, go drinking, sleep for an hour in, my, in the same clothes, and go back to work the next day and I would get rewarded for that. That was a, a badge of honor in my 20s. Right. And now in my 40s, I'm not seeing that as a badge of honor anymore. I'm, I'm starting to see that as a, as a problem. People are like, hey, you ha you're in the same clothes from last night, and you have... You have kids at home. What are you? Where were you last night? Oh yeah, no, no, you're right. Uh, it, it's funny too. It's funny how much more seriously our industry has been taken, and you're kind of touching on that now. But the fact that you know, when you and I were early, early in our careers, you know, it was still a pretty gruff, grizzled, tough industry, very male dominated. And now it's a very diverse industry, and we're looking out for each other, and we're thinking about things like mental and physical health. And so it's nice that we are kind of waking up, and, and this next generation of roadie is thinking a little bit more about taking care of yourself in all those ways, physical, mental, emotional. I think we've, uh, we've benefited from, the, from that work ethic, but we're also starting to see the tolls that it can take if it, 
in prolonged amounts of that lifestyle. It's great for a week, or you can do five in a row as long as you get three or four days off in between, but if next thing you know, five in a row become 10 in a row, become 12 in a row, and next thing you know, you you haven't been home for three months. Exactly. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, there is such a physical toll. You know, a lot of that comes with what genre you're working into. You know, how many in a row are you going to do? Or, you know, the, 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 you know, some of the older rock and country artists won't do five in a row. But, you know, some of these young up-and-coming acts, they'll go out there and bust it and hit as many nights in a row as they can. And, man, it is grueling. And, uh, you know, I'm, obviously I'm not a doctor, but we all know that there's a minimum amount of sleep a human being should get. And, you know, it's not only, you know, the physical toll of only getting four hours of sleep a night, but as you start is that starts to snowball and night one turns into night two of getting not enough sleep, your mental state starts to wear. And when your mental state starts to wear, you start making poor decisions uh, with your work performance. You start forgetting things and, and you know, your work gets sloppy. So it's all a big kind of uh, uh, a snowball effect when, when you start not getting enough sleep on the road. Uh, living in Las Vegas for the last 20 years, I usually get to deal with the, the more established artists that are just doing the Wednesday, Friday, Saturday stuff. In Nashville, I would imagine you still get to deal with a lot of the up-and-comers that are still doing the, the bus and trailer, and uh, they can have the production manager who is their lighting and sound right. engineer. Yeah, you know what's, what's interesting about Nashville and touring out of Nashville is we have what we call that weekend warrior model. Uh, I know you've heard that, but the weekend warrior model out of Nashville is that you have bus call on Wednesday night, and you go do shows Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and you're home Sunday. So it's actually a very reasonable work schedule because you're getting that perfect balance of tour life and your passion, your career passion, but also being able to be home and be a parent or a spouse or partner, you know, four, three or four nights a week too. So that's one of the nice things we have. But what you're touching on too about the younger country bands, yeah, they'll go out there and they'll work. I mean, they're working, you know, whereas a, a, a developed country, a rock act coming out of Nashville will only play theaters and some festivals and obviously arenas and, and, and stadiums to a degree. But some of these young ones will go out and hit every club, every country bar, every little venue, every casino they can. And it's, they work a lot. I know some country acts that'll do 180 to 200 shows a year. Wow. Absolutely. And if, if, if one up-and-coming band hears about another band doing 180, of course they're going to try and say, well, I did 185, yeah, it, I did 190. and the It's funny, you know, and, and not to take this in a different direction, but to, to play off that, when I was coming up in Nashville and we were doing lighting for acts, it was only your large and some mid-level acts that would carry an LD and gear. But the landscape has changed as, as physical record sales went down and people needed, and artists needed to tour more to have an income. We started seeing even these baby country acts carrying LDs and gear. And so what's happened over the past 10 to 15 years is more and more acts out of Nashville are, are carrying you know, gear and people, and we're, we're having a shortage of good LDs in town. So it's those baby country acts that when I was coming in in the early 90s didn't carry an LD. There was no way you would have an LD. Now they do because they want this amazing live show because they're touring so much to have a good income. Yeah, the expectations have increased a lot over the years where if somebody goes to see, like say, a Dustin Lynch show and they're like, oh my God, that that production value is amazing. I need to have that. Absolutely. And so they have to one-up each other and they have to provide... They know that everything that they're doing is going to end up on YouTube. Yep. And if it's just them standing in front of a, an empty stage, it doesn't look nearly the same as a, uh, 
as a Dustin Lynch with a, a huge back wall, even as an opening act. Oh, you're, no, you're absolutely right. It's funny, you know, you see these little progressions, like the, the baby act will start with just a small backdrop for their branding, you know, for photos and stuff. And then it, it goes quick to maybe an Ableton-driven lighting rig that's very basic. And then from there, you know, a jump up to carrying an LD and a more substantial rig. And we see all these little progressions taking that journey up to the arena-level touring. Um, but, you know, and I, this is a hats off to our industry and our manufacturers and technology as well. But, again, these baby acts, uh, unlike what it would have been 25 years ago, carrying some very archaic park hands or a little conventional floor package, man, they're able to carry full not full, but decent-sized LED walls and moving light packages and on bus and trailer tour. That is uh, definitely an, uh, an, a benefit to the, uh, the technology that's driving things these smaller and requiring less power. And with that innovation, we used to think that that would mean we would just use less power, but now we're just b building bigger rigs. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. And bigger rigs need more people yep. and more time. But, you know, it's funny, too, because some of the set manufacturers, especially some of the ones we have around town, because they're doing so many of these uh, bus and trailer packages, have gotten really creative in, in their packaging for some of these sets and how they deploy. So video walls that, you know, roll in on crank-up carts and boom, you have a video wall operational in five minutes. You know, those kind of things. And, and lighting packages that are built into set pieces that roll in, plug in, and go. So there's some really fun things just happening with the collaboration in town of lighting, video, and set manufacturers and doing these all-encompassing set pieces, set carts that roll out of bus trailers, and you have a show in no time. Yeah, so I would imagine with all the gear, these up-and-coming artists, they're realizing that they have to hire people to set up all that gear, and I would imagine that not all of them have a, a business manager <laughs> or a, a structure to be uh, an employee to W-2 people, and they're just, well, we have money, can we just pay you in cash? And then... A lot of these uh, new kids, they don't know about per diem or tell me how you've been able to help people understand what they're getting into with that. Well, you know, uh, Eric Parker, who's one of my employees and a friend, we started a nonprofit. It's a 501c3 called the Touring Career Workshop. And we started that back in 2011. And, it, and our motto is we are human resources for touring production professionals. And basically, in a nutshell, we're, we're funded by vendor donations, vendor and manufacturers uh, donations. Um, but our main objective, we have two main objectives. Uh, number one, really, uh, is we do a big event every November, and that is the Touring Career Workshop. And what that is is a four or five hour, um, basically a um, seminar where attendees can come in for free and they get a, usually a keynote or a, a, a general session, and then they have an option to go to breakouts and learn about all these human resources things that even some of these college courses aren't touching on. So we're talking about setting up your retirement. How do you do your taxes each year? Getting health insurance as a freelancer. Uh, stress, dealing with stress of the road and relationships. Staying healthy on the road. Um, and then we get into a few other things, you know, travel perks and some other things, but we try to be human resources and educate this next generation on thinking through all these little nuances of having a great career from that level. You are a, a human resource for an industry that doesn't have human resources. When we recognize that need, and it came out of coming up in town and... Um, a lot of my peers in town would say, hey, what, who do you use for an accountant? Or how do you do your health insurance? Or how do you do your, your retirement? Or, and, and we kept getting these same conversations over and over, much like you get the conversation of how do we get into this industry. I was getting these questions over and over as taxes and health insurance. So we were like, 
this needs to be just a seminar. It needs to be its own thing. And so year one was of me calling in all my buddies that had little expertises in all these areas and, uh, and doing this seminar. Uh, and there was about 50 attendees to now we're at the point where people are flying in from all over the country to be speakers. And we had almost 400 people attend back in November. Wow. So that's big. And then real quick, the other thing we're doing is with our donation money, a lot of it goes to putting on that workshop, but the rest of it goes to what we call our all access program. And that's a program in which we have about five people on our website, uh, five either counselors, life coaches, doctors, that if you need counseling, we will pay for your first four sessions to go talk to one of them. No questions asked. We get a bill. We don't know your name. We don't know what you talked about. We pay the bill and it's done. And in 2019, we paid for 85 sessions of counseling for people in Nashville. That is amazing. And was it uh, in-person counseling? Was it over the phone? I think out of those 85, I think 83 of them were in person. I think a couple of them did some Skype or FaceTime sessions, but the rest of them were all, you know, in person. You know, I, I, I do think there's a good value to the to the being able to do something remotely too, but I know you can lot, let a, a lot go more emotionally if you're there in person. That's I, I appreciate in person if you can. That's just my take. But you get what you can too. In a lot of my articles, I've been making a very concerted effort to destigmatize counseling and therapy because the our industry has in the in the past really frowned upon that or even just kind of chuckled you're a sissy boy or like oh what are you are you a loony you need uh, you need a loony you need to go to loony bin yeah. and nowadays it's not that it's if i if i need a dentist i go to a dentist if i if i need a doctor i go to a doctor if i need mental help, I'm going to go to a therapist. And Absolutely. It has been, it saved my relationship and allowed me and my wife to continue to work under the stresses of me being out on the road. And I didn't understand what the stresses that she was under and she didn't understand the stresses I was under. She would see my fa- my Facebook post and she's like, well, clearly you're on vacation out there. Right. Like, no, babe, I'm, I'm not on vacation. I'm, I'm working really hard and now you're making me feel bad. And we had to have those discussions and it when we would do it one-on-one with each other, we would build animosity because she didn't understand and I didn't understand. But having a third person in the room to help us kind of see things from each other's point of view was so beneficial. Absolutely, yeah. It's like we said at the beginning of this session. You know, the, 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 the old 70s and 80s grizzled image of a roadie uh, is, is disappearing. You know, there's still a few left, but we're, we're becoming a more honest, open... Uh, caring uh, group of people, in my opinion. I, I think I know you're seeing it too. And I think a lot of that is due, in fact, to people like like you, myself, and several others who are not afraid to be an open book. Because much like yourself, I've talked very openly about my, you know, as much success as I've had, I've had a lot of failures too. Obviously some in business, but in personal life, you know, this industry is, I mean, I've gone through two marriages and I've been very open about that because some of those were cause of my failures. And so if I can teach other people because of my failures to not go through what I went through and to have some success, it's worth it. I've been in counseling in the past year dealing with some of the stress of divorce and stuff like that. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm not embarrassed to talk about that. It's okay to not be okay. It is. It absolutely is. It's okay to be crying in the shower over a beer in a locker room shower somewhere in, yeah. in Nashville. Yeah. I've been there. I, w- I was down. I was out. I was drinking a beer in a shower and started crying because I had had that stressful of a day. And I want people out there to know that 
if you're in that place right now, I hope you're not listening to my podcast while you're crying <laughs> in the shower. But yeah, you know, we've we've been there. We've had to get through that, and there's there's a lot of things to getting through that and coming out on the other side. And next thing you know, you're going to be moving along to you're not at the at the bottom of the ladder anymore. A hundred percent, man. Yeah, again, it's just being honest with yourself as to when you're not okay is the thing I noticed. And, and I hit that point last August. I remember we had done Lollapalooza and we got home and I was so overwhelmed with everything going on in life. I wasn't okay. And I called and I made an appointment for two days later. And I remember typing down uh, literally, I think it was like 35 bullet points that um, I wanted to talk about with my counselor. And some of them are petty, but everything that was stressing me out. And you know, man, and it was stuff like, uh, it's, it's career stuff, but it's also stuff like your parents are aging and the stress that that causes. And, um, you know, I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a 13 year old son that I get part of the time and, and, you know, dealing with the stress of, of a maturing teenager and just things I needed to talk about. And, and in addition to that, I was tired, you know, coming off of a festival like that where we're working 18 hour days, 20 hour days. And we had this massive show. I was beat. I came out of that physically and mentally beat, and I was like, I need to talk to someone. And recognize that in your, recognizing that within yourself is the key. Much like you had that epiphany that night in Nashville. You know when it's time to, to call it and make, make some calls and get some, uh, some, some help. Putting together 35 bullet points on its own is impressive. To even be able to admit that there is 35 problems that need fixing I, as a, as a man with a, with an ego, I often have a hard time admitting that I have one problem or that I'm wrong at all. And, uh, sometimes it takes somebody to really beat me over the head. Like, no, you have a problem and there is something that needs addressing and you have to take steps towards fixing those. And we're not, we're not the first ones to admit our own faults. Right. No, you're exactly right. And again, you know, it, it all just sometimes it like it, it, it compounds and it snowballs and, and that one little thing starts to, to turn into others. And that's what I was seeing, you know, is, uh, you know, coming out of a festival like that and the physical toll. I, I had been eating like crap for a week. A week I'd been drinking too much every night and you come home and you're like, I'm done. Like I'm physically and mentally done and recognizing that and saying, here's what I need to fix and making those steps. Yeah, quite often once you solve one problem, you just discover the next one. So like when I discovered, when, I, when my wife and I had resolved our problems, I started looking more at myself and I realized I was eating like shit. I would have, I would be looking forward to that fourth meal on the bus at night. Right, exactly. And I'm a, I would be in the middle of gorging myself on a fourth meal right before I'm going to go to bed at two in the morning. I'm like, what am I doing? Why? I don't need this. No, man. You're hitting it right on the head. Like, I get why fourth meal exists. I get it. I understand. But man, it is the worst decision we probably make on a daily basis as a touring community. Eating uh, chicken wings, pizza, tacos, subs, whatever that is that the, the production has brought in for that night, and then going right to sleep for what you're only going to get three or four hours sleep, that's awful for you, man. There's nothing good about it. But they we've been lied to we've been convinced that it is good because of the of the reputation of the town They're like oh you're in boston you got to have a lobster roll at yeah. one in the morning yeah. or philadelphia you got to have the cheese you got to have a patterginos or yeah in chicago you got to get you know whatever the- you're in detroit let's see how many <laughs> sliders you can have uh, exactly and- yeah isn't that funny so i mean i've only i've actually been on one tour and it was it was robert plant's tour where he said no 
no after show. We're not doing after show. And uh, it was it was it was a little bit for money and savings, but it was for health too. I mean, the yeah. whole thing was if you had to have something to eat after the show, you should have brought hummus and carrots on the bus. You know. Yeah, for the three people that groan, like, oh, well, you know, that's kind of our thing. But the other 90% of the crew, they're going to be like, yeah, well, I don't know why we do that in the first place. Exactly. So, no, I, I would love to see that shift. But, man, you know, some people have different metabolisms than me and can handle pizza four nights in a row at 2 a.m. But I just think it's a really bad idea. It, it puts my willpower to the test. <laughs> it does, For right? sure. When you're tired, coming out of the shower, and it's like there, it's like, man, that's a, that's a tough that's a tough moment. My willpower to intoxication level is a, is a, is a competing ratio. Okay. The more intoxicated I get, the more my willpower to resist pizza drops. Isn't that funny how that works? Yeah. I have that same problem. I friend. can walk on the bus and walk right past the burritos. I can, pass, I can pass the pizza. I can pass the wings. Until I, But I'm gonna, I'll just have one beer to take the, take the edge off. Yep. And then that one beer turns into one Jack and Coke. Yep. And that Jack and Coke turns into some nachos. Yeah. Maybe I just have one nacho. And yeah. that one nacho turns into, well, I might as well eat the burrito that nobody's going to eat. Yeah. And if you're like me, you'll wake up the next morning and go, man, I ate like crap last night. I'm going to just get back on the, the eating right next week. I'm going to get through this run. And then you'll eat like crap the whole next day. That was my cycle. Yeah. Because I would let one thing go make me have that mental state of, ah, it'll be, I'll just catch back up next week. And you can't do that, man. You have to jump right back in and, and start doing the right, making the right decisions. Yeah. The, the best time to start eating better is, is now. Yeah. You've done great, man. You're, you're the, the vegan thing, dude. I'm proud <laughs> of you. you. You're looking Thank great, you. man. And Thank you. Uh, so the way that started was as I felt my willpower dropping, I needed to set a rule for myself. And the first rule that I was able to implement was I just said, I don't eat meat after 5 p.m., which meant when I got on the bus, if there was a, a pizza, I would at least opt for the, the carrot sticks that were left over from the dressing rooms or something. Right. And as that has been more and more successful, I've just kind of made more and more rules for myself because it's a rule. I'm, I, I, can, I can follow rules and it helps build my willpower. Right. Yep. And uh, the more I've, been, I've studied, I, I am finding that excessive meat consumption is not the best for us. I, it is, it's very good for a lot of people. There are lots of benefits to eating meat, but I, I've chosen for myself to not, to not do it. And it's been a, a great rule for myself. You know, it's funny. Uh, the first of the year, I, I think you saw this. I did a Facebook post about, hey, how have you lost weight and how did, you know, what, what method did you get there and how did it work for you? The amount of people that replied and had opinions on that one post oh, was man. greater, more comments than I had when I got engaged in December. Like, it's crazy. <laughs> like, <laughs> and, and it was like 75 different opinions. But one of the people that, that replied was my financial advisor, Troy Von Hafen. He's been a blessing to me for years. But he, uh, he is vegan as well. And he's like, Chris, I want to talk to you about veganism. You know, it's almost like a Jehovah's <laughs> Witness moment. Like, hey, I really want to come... But he took me to lunch last week, and he gave me his pitch talking about the health benefits of veganism. And, um, and as much as I find that that's going to be a very challenging option, I feel like there's some really some good science behind it as to why that makes sense to approach that. So he's challenged me to do my first step is I'm going to try Meatless Monday. Okay. So 
I got 48 more hours to get, <laughs> get the steaks in, and then we're going to try Monday. Monday is Meatless Monday. I, I, I really appreciate that the, when I was in Nashville visiting you, you were w- more than willing to go to a vegan restaurant with me. Absolutely. I hope it was delicious. It I was. felt it really good. I was able to survive an entire week in, in Nashville, which is not traditionally a vegan-friendly town. Not at all. As a vegan, and I took I took Chris Nathan. We went to a yeah. plant-based place. We went to the Southern V, and we had vegan chicken fried chicken. I don't know how healthy to per se that was, but it was at least more more healthy, I would imagine, than actual it chicken had to fried be, right? chicken. <laughs> it had to be, you yeah. It, no, I, I think that, I mean, it, it makes sense. Like, I think the science is there. And there's some yummy, man, yeah, the meal we have is great. And then where Troy and I went was great. So it's, to me, it's going to be more about discipline on the road. Home, I'm fine. It's getting in situations like this that, like last night, being at the Parnelli's and looking at a plate of yummy chicken. And uh, I think it was chicken. <laughs> and, no, I'm sure it was chicken. And, uh, and trying to make the right choices. So that's where I struggle. I want to thank the Parnellis. I was able to eat vegan even at the Parnellis last Dude, night. I that's got awesome. The, they brought me a nice uh, ravioli that was very delicious. That's awesome. Yeah. I, I just saw that I think it was the, uh, the Emmys or the Academy Awards. I, don't, I can't follow all those. But yeah. they did an entire plant-based menu for the entire uh, award show. That's awesome. Yeah. Very um, cool. Look so. at us taking this cool little trip as we're sitting 20 feet from a bar. Oh, my, uh, my upbringing does not support this conversation. I was, I was born and raised with the identity of meat eater, yeah. beer drinking, whiskey swilling. Yep. You your know? dad was in the winery business, right? My dad yeah. was a winery consultant. His, <laughs> his identity is based on his, his wine drinkingness, And uh, I was always convinced that that was... Something that, that a man is. Yeah. A man drinks his brandy at five o'clock a every day, but next thing you know, you're on you're on the bus, and and everybody's drinking every single day. Yeah. And next thing you know, you're like, I haven't I haven't felt feelings in in five five weeks because I've just buried it in my in my Captain Morgan. Boom. No, you're you're hitting it right on the head, man. And again, night after night, and then you get to that one night off in the middle of that, you know. You got four in a row, and then or five in a row, and then a night off. And what do you do? You go find the cool local bar and you drink. And it's just you're not giving your body rest on the road, and it's it compounds, man. It adds up. I'm finding it easier and easier to just say no, not tonight. I'm finding it easier. Like, yeah, I want to go out and I want to talk with you all night. I'm just gonna drink water tonight, and I've been able to just go to the bartender and say, hey, I don't drink anymore. And sometimes when you say, I don't drink, people want to ask you, like, why don't you drink? Why? Yep. What's going on? Does there, uh, can, I, can, I, can I poke you? If I poke you enough, can I convince you to drink? And uh, finally, when I say, I don't drink anymore, people go like, oh, I, uh, I'm not going to pester you because clearly there's something that's happened. Right. Yeah, exactly. You know, and it's funny, too. The older I get, like you're saying, it, it's easier to say no. You know, because I tell you what, hangovers hurt a lot worse in your forties than they do in your (laughs) twenties. I I feel you. So you have a couple bad forties hangovers and then that'll kind of make you realize that you probably should chill out a little bit too. On top of the health, there's also the financial benefit of drinking, of reducing your drinking. Uh, Recently, my wife and I took a loan from my child's uh, college fund and we made our own pact with ourselves that we would not purchase alcohol until we paid back the loan to my kids college fund and we were floored 
at how fast we were able to pay that back just by not purchasing alcohol. You're, you're, yeah, that's a, that's a, you're absolutely We would right. go out to dinner, and it would be a $50 dinner with a $200 wine bill. Yep. And we just took that $200 and put it, gave it back to my kids' fund, and we paid that back within three months. Isn't that it crazy? Was, and it was tough. That was our first look at the benefits of drinking less. Yep. Yeah, oh. no, that, I salute you, man. That's, that's, that's awesome. We, uh, we made an attempt to go cold turkey after that, and that lasted for about six months until we went to a wedding. We went to a wedding sober, and that was boring. Yeah, right. We will, we will not be doing that again. No. Uh, I, we I went out on the that. dance floor sober, and we're, we just <laughs> we didn't know what to do with ourselves. We were like, yeah. I'm stone cold sober right yeah. now. It takes a little liquid courage to get the dance moves really going. Yeah, that, especially for, sure. for me. Yeah, me too. <laughs> we, uh, we, the, the wedding ended at 9 o'clock, and the, we had the babysitter till 11. So we had two hours as adults in Las Vegas at the wedding. And we just kind of got in the car and we're like, what do two sober people do in Las Vegas at 9 o'clock? So we ended up going to get tattoos. That's awesome. Yeah, because you can't get a tattoo when you're drunk. And you can't really do much exciting things in Vegas when you're sober. So we... Yeah, that was what we did there. That's awesome. Was yeah. it a Jack Daniels logo? Or <laughs> <laughs> that's what mine would be for sure if I did that. That's my. I'm a Tennessee boy. That's kind of my go-to. Yeah, see, it, it, that's another thing. Well, you're in Tennessee. You gotta have, you gotta have Jack Daniels. And that literally, Jack on Ice is my go-to. But when it's two of those a night, is when I start recognizing like, hey, two of those a night, and you're not really having a buzz. It's like it's time to chill. Give the uh, give the body a rest for a second. With the financial benefits of reducing alcohol, are you finding people uh, using their per diem as savings nowadays? Is that a thing where people are being more conscious about their per diem? You know, that's a great question, and, and I wish I had some data on that, but I would suspect that it's a user-by-user user basis. We're also, uh, you know, a lot of people are, are, you know, are big into technology, and you'll see them put it into, you know, we have uh, a lot of gamers in our industry and people that love the latest, greatest computer and laptop. So you see people buying things like that, but I, I do know people have saved their per diem for a car. You know, and just let that kind of add up over the year. And, you know, depending on what level tour you're on, that 25 to 50 bucks a day, whatever it may be, is a nice, that can, that can add up. Maybe make a nice little vacation or, or a purchase at the end of the year for sure. Are you seeing more people in, on your side of the industry using per diem? Are they paying per diem in cash or are they paying it on, uh, on, as part of their income now? You know, I, I would say a hybrid. I, I think a lot of the country acts are still doing the cash when you get on the bus, come sign the sheet, here's your, your per diem, which in Nashville, the going rate for a long time has been 25. I think it's starting to inch up. But Good. keep in mind with the weekend warrior model, too, you don't have days off on the road typically unless you're doing a West Coast run. Right. So they've kind of always kept it low. Uh, I know in the rock world, it's higher and it gets up into the 50s and stuff. But, uh, you know, um, I, I know a couple of business managers that insist on, on putting it in the in the paychecks, uh, you know, if, if, if they are an employee, if they don't work for a vendor. Um, I know that's happened. But I think a lot of it's still cash, too, these days. Yeah, that's a gray area for me. I used to really appreciate getting that cash per diem because I wouldn't have to go to ATMs. And then I sometimes when I get it as part of my paycheck, I would I would forget to classify that. And my CPA would kind of have to remind me like, hey, 
what, how much did you separate your per diem from your income? Yeah. And uh, without having a CPA, I wouldn't have remembered that. And that, again, that goes back to those human resources that are so valuable. I'm a very big fan of putting a team around you. Um, and, and it's, you know, it's one of those things you might not be able to do in your 20s because there is, there's an expense to coming to having a team around you. But I'll give you an example. You know, my team consists of several people. I have an accountant uh, that I've used for years. That kn- She's a former IRS agent, and she knows tax law, and she knows what works and doesn't work. I've had a financial planner, again, for I think we're on 19 years now. That's helped me with my investments, retirement planning, things like that. Um, I've got a great lawyer that reviews my contracts and helps me with those aspects. You know, um, I've got a counselor that's part of my team. So there's all these people that are very important to help that wheel going. And, you know, again, and finding a good accountant that understands our industry and what can be deducted and what can't, especially with tax changes as they happen so often, like the big one in 18, you, it, that's a valuable, valuable service to have in your career. At what point do you think somebody needs to start looking into that? I mean, obviously, we're not all able to hop right into hiring an attorney and a CPA and all that. At what point in somebody's career do they need to investigate that? Uh, I'll be honest with you. So, I mean, it kind of depends on how you're employed. Uh, you know, uh, um, some a lot of our our peers would be employed by the artists they're touring with. So they're going to be W-2, which reduces greatly the amount of deductions you can take every year. Um, that's just by its very nature. You're an employee. You can't really deduct much, if anything. Um, if you are getting, I'd say at the point where you're getting a 1099, enough 1099s that, that makes up 75 to 80% of your income, you probably need to have an accountant because there are really some little nuanced deductions that that you may not know about, you know, deducting things that that'll save you a lot of money at tax time that are legit. I'm not trying to cheat the system, but legitimate things. So when you're at that point where you're getting more 1099 work than not, it's probably the time to bring in an accountant. And look, a lot of them are reasonable. We're talking, you know, uh, anywhere from 300 to 600, maybe 800, depending where you're at dollars for that service. But if they save you enough deductions that your refunds in the thousands, it's all worth it. It's found money, you know? Yeah, we're spending most of our time learning about lighting and new technology that we don't have time to research the new tax code and uh, which, which state has changed their tax code as to... I was in California for four days, and next thing you know, I have a California income tax right? return, and I have to talk to my CPA. Do I... Should we pay to file that? Are we going to... Or is it best to just pay it? Or are we going to get any money back? What's, what's going on there? And it's... You know, as as world travelers, we don't have the ability to know all the nuances. You're exactly right. So again, that's where that 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 would probably that and retirement planning are, are the two of the things I recommend first because, you know, again, accounting you're saving money on a more current basis. But that retirement planning, if we can get some of these early roadies coming up in their 20s to start really thinking that out and making plans, and I'm talking about even if it's a hundred bucks a month you know, or whatever you can do, that's a start. And then that hundred, hopefully can become a couple hundred in your thirties and then a few hundred in your forties. And then now by our fifties, we're really cranking away money for retirement. So that's the hope is that people can start thinking young about that exit plan. Yes, you might, you might have social security if it's, you know, whatever that may look like at retirement age. Uh, But man, I would plan on fending for yourself. What sort of advice do you have for people when it comes to health insurance? 
I am a horrible, <laughs> I'm, probably, I'm probably a horrible one at that because I have a pretty unique health insurance uh, scenario. But, um, you know, with this new marketplace and all that, I understand that there's a lot of challenges with that. You know, um, I, I'm a big believer in being proactive and making sure you have a plan that could cover if something were to go wrong. Uh, you know, we've talked a lot about today about the, the, our industry and the, the, the things, you know, the hours we're working, the dangerous situations we're in from a physical nature, you know, from, you know, a injury. Um, because of that, I think we need a very good insurance plan. I, I'm not versed enough in what did minimums I would look for in that, other than to say, know your career path, know what your, um, what's reasonable to think that you could encounter liability-wise, like, or injury-wise, and plan on that, you know? Uh, are, are you a, a, a L3, a, you know, a lighting tech that could get their foot run over by a case or, you know, are more susceptible to injury, make sure you have a plan with a low deduction, low de- deductible for the emergency room. Yeah. What about the people that are out there uh, touring without any form of health insurance? Do you have any advice? I'm, you're, clearly you're pro some form of health insurance. A hundred percent. And okay. I realize, look, I get it. It's like car insurance. It sucks to pay that bill. Um, and you may, you, you may never use it, but when you need it and it's there, that, that service is invaluable. So if you don't have insurance, I get it. I get that you may not be making the income you need, and it may be living check to check. But get something, even if it's a high deductible, and it's just there for a catastrophic event, have something in place. Um, my plan for that one was just move to Canada, where we have universal health care, uh, yeah, which has been great it. for me. But uh, because I'm in the U.S. and I'm worldwide, I also have a health insurance plan through uh, Cigna, which is a world... I'm covered in the whole world. That's amazing. Yeah, and it's uh, I believe it's a UK-based insurance firm, and uh, it's it's reasonable for myself, and it's just for catastrophic, because if, if anything were to happen, if I were to get cancer, you know, knock on wood, I would go... I would probably go back to Canada where I'm covered. Right. But if I'm not in Canada at the time, I need, I need something to prevent me from going bankrupt, especially in the United States, which is a, a real issue. That, you're bringing up a great point. You know, in my career, I did limited amount of world touring just because of the genres I was working in. Um, I didn't do a lot of world touring, but the world tours I did do, uh, the Robert Plant, um, uh, did, I went to Japan with Quincy Jones and Korea, um, and um, to Australia a few times. Um, that artist provided some travel health insurance for us. And, and in hindsight, I, you know, I remember thinking, oh, that's cool. But now I'm older and I realize that there's a huge value in that. And that was a really awesome thing for them to, to get that for us so that if something did happen overseas, you have some coverage. Wow, that's some, that's some forethought right there. They were it, really it, thinking about you guys. Well, it's, you know, and it comes down to your tour and production managers and their experience level and them having that awareness of what could happen and, and being prepared for it. I think a good tour production manager has that forethought to know the potentials of X and Y happening. The optimism, the optimist in me thinks that, well, if I were to get hurt, clearly my band would take care of me, but that's not always the case. They're, they're really not obligate, obligated to, to help you, but you're hoping for the, the charity of, that they're going to help. Yeah, you know, and a lot of that comes down to the, are you an employee or are you a contractor? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it, does workers' comp come into it? And if you're in another country, how does, how does that even affect workers' comp? So there's a lot of questions there. So I believe in making sure you're, look out for number one first. Absolutely. And hope that others also have that common sense and forethought to, to look out for you as well. Yeah, so how does somebody go from the, 
the bus and trailer job to the level of touring where somebody might pay for their travel insurance. How do you get, how does your tour career progress in that manner? Man, that's a great question. Uh, you know, I actually was an adjunct professor at Belmont for, uh, from 2007 to 2017. I taught a class called tour production and it was literally, it wasn't even a lighting design class. It was a class for, for the roles of tour and production management. Um, it's something that Belmont had wanted to do and I have experience as a production manager as well. And so I taught this class and in that class I developed this thing that I call ACED, A-C-E-D. And it was basically my four keys for having success in this business and helping with career uh, progression. Uh, ACE A uh, is uh, attitude. Have a great attitude. And I, I'm a firm believer that, yes, your skill set, what you do in terms of, of, of your career path and having good knowledge at your career and good skills is important. But the ability to get along with others uh, is, is a huge part of that. I would even venture to say, in my experience, 75% attitude, 25% skill set. If you're a pleasure to be around and people want to be around you, you will find yourself getting opportunities more than those that are uh, that are not fun to be around on the bus. You know, we become like these little families on the road where you're on a tour bus that's 45 feet long by eight feet wide with 11 other people. And then you go right into the arena and do the gig. And then you, you're right back on the bus. You have no break from them. So having a right attitude and being a positive person to be around is a huge part of that success. Uh, C uh, is communication. Be a good communicator. Be, uh, be able to accept information, understand it, acknowledge that you received information, and then be able to, re to relay information as well. Be able to give direction. So it's not only communication with your local crew and your stagehands or your, your, your employees if you're in a management role on a tour, but it's, it's, in, in, it's communication with your tour manager, you know, and just, yes, I got today's day sheet. Yes, I understand bus calls at 8 a.m., so be a good communicator. Um, e is experience. Uh, it's just encouraging people that even as they get older in this industry, never think that you know all there is. Always try to push yourself to keep gaining a little bit more knowledge and a little bit more knowledge. For me, that was a challenge because coming up in the early 90s, it, I was in a very um, analog time in our industry. Like when I started in our industries, it was park hands and IntelliBeam joystick controller shoeboxes were just coming out. And so I had to learn to be digital. I'm still learning how to be digital. If you put two uh, consoles in front of me and ask me to network them together, I'm going to struggle for a minute. So it's all about keeping education going and trying to teach yourself. I'm trying to teach myself how to do some, some, you know, some basic vector works right now because I don't know vector works. I know WYSIWYG. So keep gaining experience. And then the D in ACE is diligence. Always be diligent. Finish your task. Finish it. Complete the task given to you. Finish your work with a good attitude and finish it correctly. I am so glad that you have an entire workshop on that because those four letters right there is... That's workshop worthy. You could have a, a day on each one of those letters for sure. It's so key, man. I mean, and again, it, and, and they're all basic things. They're basic things that it, from the time we're born, learning to play nice with others, learning to, to respond, learning to learn, and finishing your tasks. These are things we're taught in, in, in grade school. It's just things we need to carry over into adulthood, and especially in this career where we don't work nine to five, where there is no off switch when you're on the road. 
when five o'clock hits, doors are opening. And then you have a show and then you have loadout. And then you get on this bus with these same people you've just been around for, for the previous 18 hours. So it's all about having this attitude, a positive attitude that this is my family. We're going to get along. I'm not going to be a slob on the bus. I'm going to shower so I'm not the stinky one on the bus. I'm not going to leave my shoes in the floor. I'm going to be a positive influence on my tour mates. Yeah, that uh, one thing that we're not taught as a as a beginning touring is that your experience and your diligence is only 45% of touring. The other 55% is the A and the C, the, the attitude and how you're getting along with others. And you made it sound so simple the way you say it. It, <laughs> it sounds so kindergarten, but there are a lot of adults that are just forgetting to to apply those four rules. Yeah. You know what, though? I do want to point out, and you and I talked about this a little bit at, at dinner, I believe, a few weeks ago, but yes, I, am, I try to be a happy, fun person. I try to have a good attitude, but man, we're all entitled to a bad day, too. Oh, yes. And the worst part is that when you are known as that happy-go-lucky, fun, positive, upbeat person on the bus, and you have that bad day, everybody thinks, oh, oh, what's going on? So just, you know, it's all about balance, too. It's all about balance and knowing that it's okay to have a bad day. It's how you handle those bad days and, and how you react to those circumstances that really reflect among your peers on the road and, and cause drama or, you know, bad days. My wife and I had to go to therapy to be able to say exactly what you just said and be able to look her or even my tour mates in the, in the face and say, hey, I'm having, a, I'm having a bad day. I'm in a bad place. It has nothing to do with you. If I say something mean to you, it's, it's, I'm, I can guarantee that it has nothing to do with something that you did. It's, I'm in a bad place. I'm in a, I'm in a shitty mood. Yeah. And I don't know why. Yeah. But maybe tomorrow I won't be. And yeah. I don't know why. You know, and you're spot on, man. And the whole thing, this is, this is a worldwide thing, but it all goes down to that whole thing of you never know what somebody's going through. That even though we've got to put on work face at 7 a.m. and we're marking the floor and we're loading in, you don't know that somebody's marriage may be dissolving at home or they may be missing their kid's first birthday or their parents may be in their moments of their final breath. You don't know what's happening back home. And that person's also trying to do a show safely and efficiently so that you can have a performance that night. And so, and all that compounds, man. Yeah, I've been, I've been witness to some people out on the road that just, where we had to stop them and like, no, you need to go home. We're not firing you. We're not going to replace you. But there's something that's going on at your home that you've told us about that you need to be there and you need to go do that because we... We just can't have you here right now. Yep. We know that you're distracted, and we're going to send you home. And uh, we appreciate that you want to be here with us, and you, we, want, we know that you want to do a good job. Yep. But you need to not be here right now, take care of your stuff, and then come back. And if the artist or vendor that person is working for is, is, is a conscious and respectable enough person or, or company, they will continue to pay that person while they go home and deal that, with that. You know what I'm saying? I know that's not an obligation, but I feel strongly that if you need to go take that break, it's important to keep getting a check. So now you're not stressing about being out of income while you're going and making things right. It's good business. Right? It's, it's good, good business, business to take care of your people. 100%. I was inspired last night when uh, Michael Strickland won his Parnelli, and that was what he, he emphasized, that he couldn't be where he was if it wasn't for his people, and he takes care of his people and he mentioned the absolute numbers. Like, you should take care of your people in this way and do this for them and this for them and this for them, and they will take care of you. And they'll, 
they'll lift you up. Uh, you're absolutely correct. And I, I mean, I, I was a bandit employee from, I think it was 2002 through 2005 or so. And I still have a great relationship with them. But I will tell you that a full-time bandit employee gets full paid health insurance. They have a 401k that's amazing. They get paid holidays, paid vacation days. He takes care of them amazingly. Now, you, you would talk to some bandit techs that may feel like that their road day rate isn't what one of the other vendors might be paying. But when you add in the, the, the compensation and the value of those benefits, it's massive. It's a huge undertaking. So I salute them for doing that. I mean, it, it's, and he's right. I heard him say that. And I heard, you know, it's, if, if we can get challenged more vendors to step up and take care of their employees and even artists, man, you know, if like Garth, like, like Garth takes care of his people, if we can get more people doing that. What an amazing thing. He was very be. inspiring last night. That was amazing to see him right? walk on stage and say the things that he did about, about his people. Absolutely. I got chills. I had no idea that was, I don't think, I legitimately don't think uh, Michael knew that was coming. I don't think anybody knew that was coming. Like, I was like, this is awesome. Uh, if anybody who's listening wasn't at uh, the Parnellis last night, uh, they announced Garth Brooks came out and he announced Michael Strickland and his, uh, his award. And I don't remember the first guy. I think he was. Uh, He's uh, Br- uh, Brent Smith is the lead singer of the band Shinedown. Right. That was amazing. Yeah. And to see both of those two people pay respect back to us was I, 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 I had a great moment last night. It tells you how influential he's been in those artist careers and, and in the, even to the friendship level. And so I respect that. You know, running a business of that level could not be an easy task. I know just being the employee, employer of two people has its challenges. And oh, to, to, to take that business over the past 50 years like he's done and, and have that amount of employees, I salute him. That's not an easy task. Yeah, and uh, shout out to all the people at the Parnellis who put that together. That was amazing. amazing. Well, well done. Um, I was just in Nashville last week and I got to go around the bandit shop with Jake Tickle. Yeah. And he is a he's a brand ambassador. Oh my gosh. He was so excited to show me every nook and cranny from the the lighting fixtures that they're working on to yep. what how they're going to make uh, their shop more efficient, how they're bringing in gear, how they're sending it back out the other doors and the the team of people that they have back there working at uh, PC level uh boards and yeah. repair and the the interns that he has working for him and they were old. The the first image that came to mind was the the elves working at the North Pole. They <laughs> yeah. were so happy. Yeah, absolutely. They were they were there were older crew showing younger people how to work on lights and absolutely. And he was saying how how long he can keep his lights functioning. Yeah, yeah. No, he's he's Jake is actually he is my he is my uh, librarian of lighting. Like <laughs> <laughs> that's I don't have to make him a shirt, but. Um, like literally because, you, you know, as a designer, we get, it, it, you know, manufacturers, they're always in town. They're showing us the latest, greatest and all that. And sometimes it starts to get muddy in my head with all I have going on. I start forgetting what light has this output or what has the better zoom or the better color mixing or the better gobo package. And Jake has become my little library of, of well, man, what are you trying to do? This. He goes, here's what I think. Here's what I like. Um, there, you know, we've had no problems with their maintenance, which is something I take into consideration on the road. Is uh, how's the crew going to have to deal with these maintenance-wise? But he knows all these facts about these lights, and we'll sit there and say, "I think you should look at why," and then we'll do a demo and we'll make a decision from there. That's why I'm always talking to him and uh, letting him know how uh, how well Ayrton is doing. Right, Ayrton. Maintenance. Love him. <laughs> um, yeah, I. Uh, I enjoyed walking around the shop with him. He was so excited to talk about everything he has, and uh, he made me a Bandit fan. I 
That's cool, man. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 like I said, I, I use them on quite a few of my projects. There's other vendors. I like to share the love, and there's some other vendors I like to use as well. But of course. Bandit's been a, a, a mainstay for a long time. And, you know, it, and again, Strickland, Mr. Strickland said this last night, but it's not just about the lights. I mean, honestly, there's a lot of houses that have fixtures that we could get, you know, from. But it's about, it's about the level of service. It's about the people, you know, the attitude. He's been a very big uh, believer and pusher in humanomics is his word. He talked about that word last night. Yes. And it shows. It shows with your client reps you're dealing with, your project managers, and even the road crew out there. You know, we just did Nashville New Year's Eve. We just wrapped that a, a couple weeks ago. We're on site for three weeks building that show, doing the show, loading it out. And um, the lighting portion alone, we have 24 bandit techs on that. And talking about you're working in the Nashville, you never know what you're going to get in Nashville, but it may be sunny and 55 in uh, you know, December, or it could be three degrees and icy. And they kept a great attitude the whole time. You know, go out, head down, mouth shut, do the gig. Yeah, a lot of techs don't realize that they're, they're all brand ambassadors. They're all out there representing their company. And if they start uh, talking about inside uh, issues, it, it gets out there. Hundred uh, percent. If if you treat your people well, they'll they'll treat you well. Yeah. No. It's it, it shows, man. I I be, I'm a big believer in that. You can see it even in, in um, crew that work for certain artists. You can see who really whose artists take care of them as to how strongly they fly that company flag, so to speak. Uh, and Garth is again going back to him. He's a great example. The way he treats his employees is unheard of. And 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 uh, Mr. Strickland talked talked a little bit about that last night about how when Garth retired for a little bit uh, in the 2000s while his daughters grew up, they got two years severance pay, two years severance pay, and just the things he does for them on the road. There's a few other artists that treat people that well, um, you know, and, and that's also always awesome to see people recognizing artists recognizing the value that their crew has and taking care of them accordingly for that. The reputation usually precedes the tour through the house crews. If the house crews know that a, uh, a Garth Brooks level artist is coming through, they know that it's going to be a good day because they know that the crew is going to be in a good mood or they're going to at least be attentive and ready to go. Absolutely. And uh, that sort of information goes far and wide real quick in our industry. It's, it's, yeah, no, you're absolutely right. It's funny. As large of an industry we are, it's really not. It's a small industry. And, and how much venues talk and they know what shows were not difficult, you know, what crews came through that had a lot of attitude or were unorganized or whose truck pack was painfully long because they don't have their crap together. It's funny how much these venues talk and how much we get back. And that's something, you know, I take it, if I hear like one of my shows, uh, you know, like, oh, the lighting crew was a pain in the ass or this was a pain to build because of this, we, I think about those things. I want, I, you, know, you know, yes, they're representing the artists they work for, but they're representing a lot, a lot of vendors, a lot of designers. There's a lot of names attached to a show that rolls into a venue. And so if there's problems, I want to at least do my diligence that we address them. I feel like we've only been talking for about 10 minutes, but I just got a thing saying that it, we're, our time is up. I know. This is amazing. I've, I feel like the flow has been back and That's forth, good. and I've really enjoyed every second. Yeah, man, I appreciate you having me here. Uh, what a cool To do thing. a quick wrap-up, wrap up, I, I want to mention your website again. It's Tour 
career workshop. Uh, touring career workshop. Touring career workshop. Dot com. Dot com. Yeah, go there, check it out again. Um, uh, it, there's counseling resources. And even if you don't live in Nashville, if you live wherever you live, I tell you what, I'll say this right now on air. If if you live somewhere else and you want need a counseling resource, look at one of our names. And if you can set up a a phone or a Skype or FaceTime, we'll still pay for it. That's how much I believe in the mental health aspect. So touringcareerworkshop.com, all access program. I am definitely going to go there and uh, make a donation today. Ah, uh, no, you don't need to do that. I'm going to. Well, you I can't stop me. That. <laughs> That's awesome. Thank you so much for your time, Thanks Chris. I've really appreciated every moment that we've had today. Absolutely. Uh, again, this is Chris Lose and Chris Lyle of CLLD LLC. We are broadcasting live from the show floor at NAM 2020. And today's podcast has been brought to you by PLSN, Projection Lights and Staging News, and TimelessJobs.com. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me.